This podcast is made possible by Sage Intact and U.S. Bank. Hi, this is Dan Crum, CFO of the Kansas City Chiefs, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode number 257. As a finance leader, are you driving driving change in your organization? How are you driving change within your organization? In this episode, we speak with Bob Burdell, CFO of United Way Worldwide. Just from a facility standpoint, the finance department was in a kind of a closed room with a door that locked and and, and, and people were intimidated to walk into the department. Um, and so that was not conducive to, to being more collaborative. So one of the first things I did in, in, in symbolically trying to change the culture is we removed the doors and we, we, sh- we shrunk the wall and we created this open space. Listen to our complete interview with Bob after these words from our sponsor. It's a question every growing business must answer. How do you scale your organization to accommodate growth while reducing risk? Sage Intech provides the instant visibility into deep operational and financial requirements that inform decision-making when scale is top of mind. By automating error-prone manual tasks and allowing your team to focus on the analysis of more accurate information, Sage Intech provides the visibility required to confidently scale your organization. Sage Intact is the only AICPA preferred provider of cloud financial management software. Hello, we're speaking with Bob Burdell, CFO and Executive Vice President of United Way Worldwide. Prior to United Way, Bob worked at Commonwealth Edison, a subsidiary of Exelon Corporation, the leading electricity company in the United States, for 26 years, where he held a variety of senior positions, including CFO. Bob, welcome. Thanks, Jack. I'm glad to be talking to you. Great to have you with us. This is a first. We haven't chatted with you before, Bob. So um, we'd love to uh, ask our guests to step back in time and begin by identifying what they believe were the career experiences that helped prepare them um, for a CFO role. What would those have been? Oh, gosh, there's there's so many, but uh, I, I will tell you about a few that I've given some thought to uh, along the way. Um, you mentioned that I was uh, held a variety of positions at, at Commonwealth Edison, which is a utility company in the Chicago area, and uh, now is part of the Exelon family of utility companies. And there was... Uh, one job I had that was called Director of Strategic Analysis, and it essentially was a group that uh, performed um, the financial analyses for the company as it embarked on its billion-dollar capital budget each year. And so essentially, the department I led had to give kind of the seal of approval from a, a financial hurdle rate before anyone could invest a significant sum of money. And so in that role, obviously data 
was extremely important in terms of any financial analysis and any decision making process and 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 sometimes it's imperfect data and so um, uh, really taking a look at the assumptions that um, each analysis contained and try to validate those assumptions as best you can was totally critical to the outcome of the analysis and ultimately whether the project would be successful or not. So, so using data for business decisions was kind of the learning there how important it is. Um, another another milestone that, that might seem a little odd was uh, there was a time when I was a mid-level uh, person and I was actually vying for an assistant treasurer's uh, position. I, I knew the treasurer pretty well and he wanted me to work for him and so I was vying for that position and so I got called into the CEO's office and he said, Bob, I want to tell you about this great promotion and I'm thinking, oh great, I got the assistant treasurer role and he said, I'm going to put you out in a region of the country where we have a, a full service office of engineering and construction and customer service and, and other functions that I knew absolutely nothing about. <laughs> and it, was, it was a total major disappointment to me, but when I got in that role, I, I learned that, you know, I'm not the functional expert on all these functions. Actually, I knew very little about those functions, but I learned how to lead people and, and lead people who knew what they were doing and use their technical knowledge uh, to make decisions and to move, um, move that group forward. And, you know, in hindsight, that, that job was probably the most career advancing or really developed uh, my leadership skills more than any other position I had when I was relying more on my technical expertise. So that was, uh, that was an interesting job. And then uh, finally, um, when I did become uh, a CFO of that company, I, I participated uh, in uh, executive management team meetings. And early on, you know, I was all uh, geared up and fired up to chime in on, on matters related to finance and uh, accounting and tax and, and things that, you know, I represented that side of the business. Uh, but when when the executive management team was discussing other matters, you know, I probably wasn't as focused, wasn't as engaged in the conversation. And so after a few months, I, I, I was counseled by the CEO who said, you know, Bob, your contributions to other dialogue and decision-making beyond finance, you know, would be appreciated. I, I value your input and I value your judgment. And, and so I quickly learned that, hey, I'm not only representing my functional area, I'm a leader of this organization. So I began to think then, like an organizational leader, not just a functional leader. So those are three, I would say, uh, milestone uh, portions of my career. When, when you come to United Way, uh, you're, you're coming to a not-for-profit. Right. What made you take that leap, and, and, and what was the type of job that you wanted to create? Yeah, I, I would say 
I had been a volunteer at United Way for many, many years, and, and I've always wanted to do things for other people and do things for community beyond just uh, within the four walls of a corporation. And I had an opportunity to join United Way um, at the local level and now at the at the worldwide level. And so when I when I when I joined the uh, when I joined United Way worldwide um, about seven or eight years ago, I, I spoke to uh, a number of people within the organization in terms of what their perception of finance was, and 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 the the, the common theme that I received was finance is not collaborative; it's not a partner. And it's just a kind of a barrier or a hurdle to get over to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish. And so um, one of the first things I needed to do was, was to change the culture of the, the folks working in the finance department from kind of a, a gotcha mentality to, okay, so don't just say no or, or after the fact um, look at, you know, mistakes that people are making help them problem solve and be be collaborative so that so that we're making others jobs easier because at the end of the day we're all trying to accomplish the mission of United Way to improve lives and communities so so it was really to instill a culture of collaboration uh, as opposed to just finance financial uh, compliance now that's something, of course, commercial uh, corporations face as well. Is is not for profit in any way? Was it a, a bigger challenge in some ways, or less? Do you think, or does it not matter? Well, I, I would say whether it's for profit or non profit, it's challenge. It's a challenge. I mean, there are there are bigger challenges sometimes in the non profit area because it's. Uh, it is more about uh, getting things done through not only uh, employees but many, many volunteers because we just don't have the, the, the capacity or the, the resources that a corporation would have. But, uh, but it's a challenge in, in, in both uh, settings, no question about it. Is there something you did to begin moving your team in the direction you wanted? Did you have to uh, reorganize finance? Yeah, of course, I did a little reorganizing and and uh, made, making sure that everyone uh, had the, the the skills needed to do the job. But but it's kind of funny that the one thing that that probably made the biggest uh, impression was more symbolic. Um, and and I, just from a facility standpoint, the finance department was in a kind of a closed room with a door that locked and 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 people were intimidated to walk into the department um, and so that was not conducive to to being more collaborative so one of the first things I did in 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 symbolically trying to change the culture is we removed the doors and we we sh- we shrunk the wall and we created this open space where people could could walk in and out and not be intimidated and honestly I got some pushback from my team because they said no you can't do that you know we're working on confidential things and so we we need that door to be locked 
And I said, well, you know, we have locked file cabinets for those confidential things. So, so we need to remove the barrier uh, and, and invite people in. And, uh, you know, that it's symbolic, but it, it actually helped to accelerate that culture change that I was trying to, uh, to instill. So tell us about some of your goals today and the and the the competitive landscape out there for for uh, for the type of work that United Way does. Sure. Oh, absolutely. And and some may think, well, you know, there's disruption going on all over the place, and of course, not nonprofits, but that's not true. Let me let me uh, Jack tell you a little bit about United Way for your listeners who may not be otherwise familiar, but. United Way engages about 3 million volunteers and 10 million donors uh, around the world. Uh, We're in 1,800 communities across more than 40 countries. And and we're the world's largest health and human service nonprofit in the world. And essentially what we do is we work across community, whether it's engaging business folks or government, the social service uh, sector, faith-based organizations to work together to identify issues within community, and issues differ community by community, but work towards common solutions to tackle those tough problems that any organization on its own, including government, cannot solve. so uh, for more than a generation, you know, we had a culture of giving that was fostered in the workplaces where individuals stayed with the same employer for 10, 15, even 20 years. And our, our, our best donors are, are now retiring, the baby boomers, who, who favored the, the workplace campaigns and using payroll deduction to uh, foster their contributions. But the disruption we're seeing now is kind of the changing nature of of workplaces and the changing nature of technology. So technology is is disrupting the way that individuals and organizations uh, engage with each other and uh, and engaging younger donors. So um, younger donors want to be uh, socially responsible but tend to want more control over how and when they make their charitable contributions. So, so we are trying to adapt and, and adjust to the, the changing demographic of the millennial generation and, and their, you know, expert use of technology. So what are the, some of the key metrics then that you're, you refer to frequently to reveal how United Way is performing? Yeah, so it's interesting. When I was in the corporate world, uh, it was all about earnings per share and shareholder value. Um, And that really is what drove me and what what my focus was on uh, daily. Um, In the nonprofit world, it's different. We don't have uh, a measurement of earnings per share or shareholder value uh, since we have no shareholders. Uh, but uh, I'm way, way more focused on cash, you know, so we need cash and cash flow to to really achieve what we're trying to do, achieve our mission and be being able to accomplish our goals in communities. Um, so cash is king in the nonprofit uh, space. But if if I look more broadly around um, 
you know, organizationally, what do we focus on? I would say there's four metrics that we keep most focused on uh, on a, a quarterly or an annual basis. The first is revenue. Um, and we measure revenue by donations, obviously. We're a nonprofit. And so um, it, 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 donations and revenue enable us to achieve our mission, what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, but the second one and, and is equally important. It's individual supporters, and, and we measure those by uh, donors. We measure those by volunteers, and we measure those by advocates, those that are, are advocating on behalf of, of the community and, and working with the social service sector. Um, the third is, is impact, and impact is is it's difficult to have one measure on impact because what is impactful in Los Angeles could be different in New York City or Chicago. But the four submetrics we look at are, are having kids ready for school um, by the time they reach first grade. So school readiness is a key metric of impact. Uh, school success measured by graduation rates, we, we look at very closely. Um, third is economic mobility and, and moving from uh, being, being able to, to uh, achieve a good job and, and being able to move up in your economic uh, status. And then finally, it's, it's access to health care, you know, being able to uh, afford and, and being able to acquire health care, prescription medicine, whatever you need to lead a healthy life. And when you look at the totality of those metrics, they, they really represent the building blocks for a better life. Um, it, it's hard to look at them in isolation because they're all important for the, 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 the success of a person. Um, and, then, and then finally, Jack, uh, what we look at is, is public trust. So our CEO likes to say that trust is the currency that we have to trade. So essentially, is how much confidence do donors have that United Way is doing what it says it's doing? And if they have confidence in us, then they're more likely to volunteer. They're more likely to, to donate to United Way. So those are what we keep our eyes on uh, on an annual basis. wanted to uh, ask about customer success, which is something we're asking more frequently our guests about and how they're measuring it. Maybe we should begin with who, who would be the customer at, at United Way? So the customer, we view the customer as the donor. Uh, so we are in probably 100,000 corporations that, that run United Way campaigns. And like I said, there's 10 million donors throughout the world who who donate to United Way on an annual basis. And so the donors are customer, but for a purpose, and that purpose is to to uh, create measurable impact within communities. One area uh, that we believe sets apart CFO leadership is the fact that CFOs must protect the trust that businesses are built upon. And it occurs to me that protecting the trust uh, in actions and words 
uh, must be so important inside a not-for-profit. What would you tell us uh, when it comes to your role in protecting the trust? Uh, trust is so much more important in the nonprofit world um, than it is in the corporate world, but it's, it is tremendously important in the corporate world as well. But again, we're, we're nonprofits aren't selling a, a aren't transacting with a product per se. They are, they're telling donors that we will use your money to make the biggest impact on the issues that you're most interested in, in your, in your community or around the nation or around the world. And so donors are trusting nonprofits to use their money wisely. And so there's various measures of trust. You know, the, the charity uh, accountability folks like to look at overhead rates and things like that, which, you know, is, is kind of a weak measure. But, you know, we actually survey the public uh, annually. And so we ask them, uh, you know, what, what, do you, what are your thoughts about United Way? Are you familiar with United Way? And do you trust United Way to do what they say they will do? So the CFO role, as you're alluding to, is critical from a, from a financial accountability to ensure that it's books and records and the dollars that are using are being used wisely. Um, also, the, the CFO um, is, is involved in executing the strategy and setting up uh, performance excellence measures um, that are holding uh, employees accountable within the organization and that then translates to accountability outside the organization as well. So I, I couldn't agree more that public trust is, is, a, is a key measure uh, for nonprofits. Okay, it's interesting. I guess if, you, you know, the impact uh, of donor dollars is sort of like the shareholder value right. <laughs> of uh, not-for-profit. Yeah, Good analogy. Yep. We like to ask for what we call an aha moment or a finance strategic moment yeah. uh, where your lines of sight into the organization as a finance leader allowed you to see an opportunity or see an issue or problem uh, that you could later address. Does anything come to mind? Yeah, it actually does. And um, again, I, I kind of started talking about uh performance excellence. So again, when I was a, a new CFO at the utility company that I worked at early on, and I described this earlier, is I kind of had a siloed view of my finance role. And it was, it was kind of more of a functional and not in kind of an organizational leadership. But, but the company at the time was, was underperforming in many respects. And so, um, the CEO engaged a, a consulting firm to assist us in developing a, a process to improve operating performance, and 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 they you know did a, did the typical interviews and and made recommendations to to establish this process, and then I was asked to lead the implementation of that process, and it essentially uh, was a, a data-driven process in which. Key performance indicators were established um, 
again, things like, you know, engineering, construction cycles, uh, there were financial statistics, but customer service statistics and, and all sorts of operating type of things. And, and I really uh, led monthly meetings with all of the VPs of the company and the senior management team. And, and we reviewed, you know, where we were with these KPIs monthly and, and really helped problem solve each other when we saw some that were that were falling down versus others and 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 it was amazing to me that within about two years time the company began to see significant improvement in its operating metrics and, and we were even reducing our operation and maintenance expenses. So I I at one point uh measured the improvement overall to be about a 30% improvement in, in performance, uh, which, you know, it's the old adage, it's the old cliche, you know, people focus on what, what you measure and when, when they're held accountable uh, to discuss uh, why they're, they're maybe not meeting the results, boy, it really sharpens the focus. And so, um, again, for me, it was not only about the, uh, the, the performance of the company, but but my role in more of an organizational leader, and uh, in, in, in in focusing on metrics and holding people accountable, really helped drive uh, positive performance for the company. So I'm taking that same learning that that I had at uh, at Commonwealth Edison, and applying that at at United Way. So we're we're following a similar process here to to become more of a performance-oriented uh, culture, even though performance is measured in, in much different ways. Well, when it comes to the organization's workforce then, uh, have your priorities as a finance leader uh, changed over time? Yeah, I would say they have. Um, I would say um, it's it's more to me at this stage of my career it's it's more building a team and and ensuring that people are growing uh in their roles and and giving more given more level of accountability and more responsibility um and that and people just really savor that and 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 really shine and so it's it's le- it's less about the the work although the work is very important but more about the team and ensuring that the team is enabled and and capable of of doing what it uh doing what it's trying to do when it comes to the workforce and talent management today are you paying attention to any particular make- metrics as they relate to uh the workforce you know it's interesting <laughs> we've recently got a new head of our hr and um we we have a probably a higher turnover rate than than what we'd like, uh, but we really don't have much in the way of ratios or metrics that we've been looking at. But but this new head of HR came from corporate America, and so she's very metric oriented, and she's in the process of of establishing way more, more metrics than we have because we have very few, but way more metrics in terms of uh, how do we uh, not only it's it's not just about turnover, but it's more culture. You know, do we have the kind of culture that that we need, and will will help us take that next step forward? 
Okay. Well, we, we come to the mentoring round now where we ask you several quick questions intended to help inspire and mentor aspiring finance leaders. What's one thing that's exciting you about finance and business today? But what excited me um, coming to the nonprofit world is looking at the opportunity to help um, uh, institute processes and practices that are probably more institutionalized in corporate America, but haven't been institutionalized in, in the nonprofit. So being able to apply those learnings from corporate America into into United Way has really been a rewarding thing for me, and it's it's totally valued both from from senior management, from the folks I manage, but but really from the board and volunteers who engage with us. So that's been a, a very rewarding thing. A second thing that uh, that comes to mind is when I was in uh, I was at a United Way in Chicago, and we had many. United Ways in a in metropolitan Chicago, too many, and so I was involved in co-leading uh, an effort to merge uh, 54 of these into one organization. And and trust me, when you have 54 organizations who are merging, some of them don't want to merge, uh, but but are being required to merge. You, you get a lot of resistance and. And I can recall early on in the, those practices where um, the resistance was high, and uh, but then after about a year to a year and a half post-merger, some of those volunteers who were the most resistant came to me and said, Bob, you know, this really was a good idea. I'm, I'm really happy we did this. And so, you know, just to hear that because they had been most of the ardent uh, advocates, but to hear them being appreciative was, was extremely rewarding. What do you wish someone had told you at the start of your CFO career? Especially as you rise up in an organization, it's, you know, what you say is you know, it, it, it even could be a bit of an offhanded remark, but the, but people who hear it take it as, as gospel truth and act on it. You know, it was interesting. When I went out to that division job that I really didn't want, the very first day I was there, I was somebody was walking me around the grounds. And, you know, there was a lot of litter, and it, it seemed messy, and so I just made an offhanded remark to somebody, and I said, boy, it's really kind of sloppy around here. And, you know, and he didn't say anything, but, you know, that next day when I got into the office, the whole grounds had been cleaned up. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> my, my, he, he certainly listened, and he acted on something that was just an offhanded remark. So, I mean, I learned from that that, you know, be very intentional on what you say because people are listening and they uh, they will act on what you say. Is there a personal habit that you believe's contributed to your professional success? You know, I'm I'm, I'm a faith based guy and uh, and and I, I I have a high degree of integrity, and so what I say is is what I do. So I think. People tend to uh, believe uh, that I will follow up, and uh, and if I can't do it, then I'll say I can't do it. But 
but it's it integrity I think is so critical particularly in the CFO role because if you don't have it you know things there's there, there's a lot of gray in our worlds and so things can get misinterpreted sometimes the wrong way unless you you're always striving to to be in that center line to do the right thing so so I think integrity and 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 and, and doing what you say you'll do is is extremely important is there a book you'd recommend to aspiring finance leaders? You know, I I, uh, I was thinking about that, and uh, I looked on your website, Jack, and I saw a number of books that, that I would actually recommend. The Speed of Trust was one, since trust is such an important thing for for uh, us at United Way, but nonprofits in general. But but I want to throw another one out at you. It's a book called Story Proof, and it's written by uh, Kendall Haven, and it's The Science Behind the Startling Power of Story. And the reason I recommend that is uh, a CFO, I think, is it has to be a storyteller. It has to be someone that's explaining to the board or others you know, what's the story behind the numbers, not just reporting on the numbers. So telling that story and and, and the numbers support the story, and if they don't, you have a problem. But, uh, but being able to tell a compelling story supported by the financial information that you're uh, presenting is extremely important. Finance thought leaders don't go anywhere. We're about to ask our finance leader guest for their business priorities over the next 12 months. But first, permit us 30 seconds to thank our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Okay, our final question. What are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months? Well, Jack, I, I hate to say this, but I'm retiring in January. So, uh, so my, my time horizon is much shorter than 12 months, but, uh, you know, we're at the, we're at the end of our calendar year here. So, uh, my responsibilities are, are make sure that we have an organizational budget that's in balance and, and, and aligned to the priorities of the organization. So that's a critical priority. Uh, I'm also, uh, responsible for, uh, executing and, and setting up our organizational uh, plan. So take that strategy and how are we going to operationalize it for 2017. So we're in the process of uh, uh, working with the various uh, groups within the organization to ensure that our organizational work plan is aligned to the strategy and is really focused on the most important things we can possibly do. do. And then uh, finally, it's our organizational metrics. Um, so how are we measuring ourselves? What do we, uh, 
what does our board look at, what does our senior management look at, and what are our stretch goals for not only 2017 and beyond. So those three things are kind of year-end things that that I'm very focused on um, before I leave. Bob Burdell, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Congratulations on your retirement. Thank you, Jack. Hi, it's Jack. At CFO Thought Leader, we're interested in hearing from you. We want to find out what you would like to hear more of or less of. And so we've created an ever-so-short survey in order to learn from you. The survey is now available right on CFOThoughtLeader.com's homepage. It's open to career finance executives of every rank. Meanwhile, it's that time of year again. CFO Appreciation Day is quickly approaching, and we are once more firing up our kiln and making our CFO Thought Leader Mug 2019 edition available to survey takers who enlist two or more of their finance team members to complete the survey. We'll mail you our also coveted CFO Thought Leader Mug at zero cost. So visit us at CFOThoughtLeader.com and give us an earful. We would greatly appreciate it. Some rules and restrictions may apply. Thank you.